Flip your bulletins back over because you know we all need it in this place. Flip your bulletins back over. On the front, we have some notes from today's sermon. If you're new to this church, we preach through sermon series. Uh, and today we're, we're talking in week number two of a five-week sermon series that we've stolen from a church, uh, from Life Church uh, in Oklahoma, from my, my pastor, somebody that I've learned so much from, Pastor Craig Rochelle. Uh, uh, it's, a sto- it's a sermon series called Struggles uh, Following Jesus in a Selfie-Centered World. Following Jesus in a world that, that's obsessed with themselves. And so last week we talked about contentment. I challenge you. I said we all struggle with contentment. Here's three steps to contentment. Stop comparing. Be happy for other people's blessings. And be, be full of gratitude. Like be somebody who's thankful. The Bible says to count your blessings. To, to recognize everything you have is a blessing from God. So just begin to cultivate gra- gratitude. That con- discontentment is really, it happens in your life when you are over aware of other people's blessings. And you're under aware of your own. So I wanted you to become less aware of other people's. And more aware of the gift of life. And all of these gifts that God has given you in your life, and all of a sudden, contentment, the Bible says, is great gain in your life. Next week, we're going to take a look at authenticity. How to be, be you in a world where you can be whatever you want. What a burden to, to, to constantly have to be somebody you're not. What a burden to never be able to, to let the real you out, to never be able to struggle, to never be able to be insecure. So we're going to take a look at authenticity, but today, I want to talk to you about intimacy. Intimacy. The, the title of the message is Restoring Intimacy. I know uh, from studying the Bible that we were all created with the need for relationships. I know somebody in this room is going, nah, I'm fine with my, by being by myself. You're a liar. We were all created with the God-created uh, need in our life to, one, have a relationship with Him, and two, to have community and intimacy with other people. You know how I know that? When the world was perfect... God made Adam, put him in the Garden of Eden. Read it in Genesis. He, he surrounded him by animals. He said, hey, Adam, I'm going to give you the greatest job this world has ever known. You get to name all of the animals. So Adam spends, I don't know how long, coming up with all the names of these animals all over the garden. And the Bible says that as he does this, and maybe he completes it, that he's still lonely. That he has relationships with all sorts of animals. In fact, some have argued that the animals actually talk to him. We, 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 we kind of believe that because if you read the story, a snake talks to Eve and she doesn't freak out. That's not her first reaction. Like, oh, a talking snake, right? Like, we, 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 so we see that. And, you know, sometimes people will say, no, 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 my best friend is, is a dog or my best friend is a cat. No, no, they're not. Like, the reason you like your dog is because you can scream at your dog and yell at your dog and kick your dog. And some of you are like, I never kicked my dog. Okay. And push your dog and say, stop and sit and be mean to your dog and leave. And when you get back, they act like they've never seen you before. They always love you. That's why we call man's best friend. And so when you say, no, no, animals are, are my best friends, you're, you're, not, you're not being completely honest. Maybe they're filling a void that you have. But the truth is, is we were created for human on human interaction, for community, for intimacy. Listen to how, how important that the Bible says these are to us. In Proverbs 18, it says, it says, one who has unreliable friends will soon come to ruin. I love that. But, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One translation says, one who has too many friends will come to ruin. You ever meet somebody, they're like, I got 7,000 friends on Facebook. I got 16 million followers. I'm so connected, Right? The Bible says one who has a reliable, uh, an unreliable friend, so who you hang out with is who you, who you become. 
Listen to what Solomon said, and he's the wisest man this world has ever known. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. I mean, that's like, duh, right? Like, it's easier when you have two people lifting something than it is when you have one. He says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though they may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then it says this, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So the question then becomes, if we were created with the need for intimacy and relationships, and the Bible was clear how important these are to the success of our life on this earth, uh, is social media and the kind of the way the world going, is it, is it making us closer with people? Are, are we more connect? We have more connection. We know more about each other's lives, but are we more fulfilled? Most people would say, and, and they've done studies on this, and maybe, maybe you wouldn't admit this, but most people would say, the more time I spend on social media surfing and swiping and listening to dings and listening and checking out updates, the, the, more, the more lonely I become. Like the, the more time that I, that I spend looking at the white screen with the little blue bar at top, the more time I spend scrolling through Instagram or swiping right and left, the more time I spend pinning, the more I yearn for, the, for the, the sight of somebody else's eyeballs, like the white and their instead of the white on the screen, like the more lonely I become. So, so what I see happening in our world is, is, is it's changing. And once again, I told you, before you change your world, maybe you need to change the type of person that you are. In, in, in his lesson, he talks about how kind of technology is changing relationships today, how it's making people more connected, more, more lonely. He said, maybe here's, here's three things that are, that, that are evolving or, or, or about relationships. So how is technology changing the way we do relationships? Number one is this, is the term friend is evolving. It's changing, right? You know, the average person in America has 328 Facebook friends. And those of you who are really into Facebook, you go, what a bunch of losers. That's it. 328 Facebook friends. Like, we're, we're connected. We got Instagram followers. We got people that retweet us. We're on Snapchat. Hey, check out my Snapchat. We can go live now on Facebook from our car. It's a new phenomenon. People will be driving with their phone. They'll be talking. I'm like, this is not safe. Like, I've seen pastors that I know on their, in their car talking to people as they're driving, telling them where they're going. I'm turning right right now. I'm going here. I'm about to pray. I'm about to go to McDonald's. Like, all these these things, and, and the term friend is evolving because we have more friends than we've ever had yet. Yeah, when we were asked how many true friends we have, most people will say less than two. Like less than two, like who do you call when stuff's going bad? Who calls you when crap hits the faint? Who calls you when you're depressed? Who talks to you when you're lonely? Where do you go? Most of us would say less than two. It's down from six 20 years ago. We're more connected. We spend more time involved in other people's lives, yet we, we feel more lonely. You know, one in four Americans will say they have absolutely no friends. I have no friends. The problem, I think, for many people is we don't have any friends because we don't even know how to be a friend anymore. We don't even know what it looks like because friendship to us is evolving. Here's another thing I think that we, so we are becoming addicted, number two, to immediate affirmation. We are becoming addicted to immediate, you ever read the studies on this? You have this chemical in your brain called dopamine, right? 
And, and when people give you a compliment or affirmation, it releases dopamine into your brain and it becomes addicting. Like you're like, that feels so good when people tell me I look good. So what do we do? We spend time in our culture constantly. I mean, if I would have told you 30 years ago, our culture will take pictures of themselves. They will spend millions and billions of dollars on phones so that we can take selfies better than the previous phone. That's what's going to be attractive. Like if I would have told you that, they will make sticks so you can fit more of yourself in a picture. Like it's normal now. You're like, this is normal. It's normal. But if I would have told you 20 years ago, listen, People are going to take pictures of themselves. That's going to be the main thing that people spend doing. They're going to be on vacation. And as they're on vacation, they're going to take a picture of themselves. And they're going to get somebody else to take a picture of them. And they're going to post it. Then they're going to check it 20 times as they're in paradise. They've been like, what? And we become addicted to what I would call instant gratification or affirmation. Somebody telling us we, we look good. Somebody telling us we, we smile. Now, somebody telling us. And here, here's the problem with, with that, if that's your level of relationship that you have, is when you build your life on the applause of other people, when they criticize you, it will, it will crush you. You will be crushed. I, I've taught you a principle many times that the most important words of your, for your life have to be God's words. That they have to be the most important words. That you can't go to social media and ask somebody in the world to give you something that God was always the one that was supposed to give you. In fact, if you read the Bible, you'll check out uh, in the story of Jesus before he ever does anything. Like he, he, he's 30 years old. The Bible says he goes to the, to the wilderness. He gets tempted by Satan for 40 days and he, he doesn't eat. I mean, he goes through hell. And oftentimes that is the message we need to hear that before God does something great inside of you, he must break you down to nothing. So, so, so Jesus goes out in the wilderness. He comes back. And before he starts his ministry, he gets baptized. He hasn't done any miracles yet. He hasn't built a ministry. He hasn't picked disciples. He doesn't have people following him. He doesn't have people wanting his autograph. He doesn't have any of that. He gets baptized. And the Bible says that the heavens open up. And a voice from heaven says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. It's establishing who he is in, in, in Christ. He's saying, or in God, he's saying, before you do anything, I, I want everybody to understand that I'm not going to love him because of the miracles that he does. I'm not going to love him because of the greatness of who he is, that I'm going to love him because he's, he's mine. That's the same affirmation that we all need. The most important words in your life have to be God's words. We, we become addicted to instant affirmation. Somebody tell me I look good. Somebody tell me I'm great. Somebody, and the problem is you get online and you post this perfect selfie and you spend all this time getting this perfect position. You took like 25 of them. Nobody sees, they only see the good one and you get on and you expect all these likes and there's only four. And you're calling your friend and you're calling your husband or you're calling your wife and you're saying, hey, you're texting them, they're right beside you. Why didn't you comment on my picture? Baby, I told you you look good like an hour ago, and I was standing right here with you. You remember? I tried to get fresh with me. You turned me down because you were on your screen. I was trying to swipe right, if you know what I'm saying. No, no, no. I don't care about any of that. Tell me I look good here. And then number three, I think, I think, I think we need to understand that we have the power to do friendship on our own terms, Right? Like, friendship is changing because friendship is more about me. They used to say in intimacy, pastors would teach us. If you've been in church for a while, they would say, into me see. Remember that? And I was like, what is that? I asked my cousin because he, I was like, what is into me see? It's like we allow people 
in relationships to see into us, like who we really are. Like I'm going to give you the platform to dig deep in, inside of, of me, and, and, and then I'm going to also invest my time and intimacy into you. I want to get to know you. I want to spend time with you. I want to talk to you. I, I want to I listen. You see, social media does not involve listening at all. It involves talking and b- get, getting your point of view and building your, your social platform. And, and the problem with so much that's happening is intimacy has changed to seeing who's into me. You see what I did there? One person shook their head. Everybody else is like, what are you talking about right now? We've made friendship about ourselves and we do friendship on our own terms. So all of a sudden, you don't like me, you talk too much about yourself, I'll hide you. You didn't comment on my vacation pic, done with you. You didn't wish me happy birthday online? No, we have to go online and tell somebody happy birthday now, which means that we don't really care because you get a reminder on your phone when it's somebody's birthday. You're not thinking about them. Oh, crap, I got to tell them happy birthday. And all of a sudden, friendship is on our own terms. And so I think that Jesus, we're going to go into a passage today, I think he established what true friendship looks like. This is going to be a really practical message. I think sometimes that we need something really practical. But if you, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me, your smartphones. Uh, in John chapter 13, uh, we're going to go to a story with Jesus. And, and what's so cool about this is this is Jesus last night on earth before he dies. Like if, he, if he's doing friendship and relationship the way that we're doing, it's his last night on earth. He's having a party in his own honor, right? He's having them come. He's wanting them to put updates about things he's saying. Quote me, hashtag Jesus is the man, like stuff like that. Like, like make sure you at mention me. I'm going to say some really good things right now. We're going to do communion for the very first time. You better retweet this and give me credit and, and boost my followers and give me a, a follow for a follow or a like for a like and do all these things. And it's going to be all about Jesus, which is the way we do relationships, which is why we don't have intimacy. We're going, nobody... Nobody likes me. Nobody's friends with me. But the truth is because it's always about you. Friendship and intimacy is about being willing to see and invest into the other person. And so instead of saying, I don't have any, any friends, maybe you should say, well, what kind of friend am, am I? What kind, of, what kind of relationship do I offer other people? My marriage is falling apart. They just don't get me. Well, how much are you investing into, into them? My best friends and me, we just don't talk anymore. Well, how, how invested are you into to them? So Jesus, he, he's with them, and the Bible says that they just ate, and he's about to do something that is just crazy. He takes off his, his outer cloak, or his robe, and he just has his normal, his normal like, underclothes on. I don't know if they're called underwear or whatever. I won't be sacrilegious, but he doesn't have underwear on. He has his under robe on, right? And he puts a towel around his waist, and he gets some water, and he bends down, and the Bible says he begins to, to attempt to wash his disciples' feet. Now, we're going, to miss, we're going to miss this. And churches have tried to emulate this. I don't know if you've ever been in a church or at a youth group. And they're like, we're going to wash each other's feet. It's completely disgusting. You're like, this is, this is weird. No, we're not going to wash each other's feet. But, but in that day, it was, it was common. Like, like you would go to somebody's house, and before you would eat, and before you would do anything, before you would hang out, a servant would come, and it was a sign of respect that they would wash the, 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 the people that came for the party's feet. And so, but it was, it was a job reserved for the lowest of low. You can imagine their feet had, had all sorts of filth on them. They're walking through dirt streets where they have camels and, and, and animals roaming, and they have no socks on, and they have sand. I mean, you can imagine what their feet smelled like, so you can imagine this is the job nobody wanted. And here Jesus is the last night on this earth, 
She'll be talking about how great he is and, and, and having people follow him and, and having people make a big deal about him. And Jesus says, you know what? I want to show you something that I want you to emulate in your relationships with each other. And the Bible says he washes their feet. In verse number 12, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Do you get it? The Bible says that you can call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I am your Lord and your teacher, and I have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. This should be your demeanor to, to those you call friends. Verse 15 says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus says, this is how I want you to be in community with each other. This thing that's going to set you apart. Do you know in the book of Acts that when there was all this kind of this new church, this new movement was happening, that many people thought they were crazy, but the one thing that they couldn't discredit was the way they treated each other? There's historical documents, Google them, not just in the Bible, of people who were kind of on the outside going, I don't know what's wrong with these people, but they share food, and they're always together, and they share possessions, and they actually care about each other, and their words lead to real actions. That's what the church looks like. Jesus is saying, this is the type of friend that I want you to be. And then flash forward just a couple hours, a couple hours. Jesus is about to die. The Bible says that he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. If you read in John, you won't see this part, but, but if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who are, are other gospel writers who share kind of different pieces of the same story, you'll read that they go to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus breaks down. This is why I love, I think about this, this story and it makes me love Jesus so much that he's so human and he begins to feel the, the pain and, and anything that I've felt in my life, anytime I've been alone, anytime I felt broken, that Jesus understands it's because he's been there. Jesus begins to break down. He has his friends with him. He's just washed their feet. He takes Peter, John, and James, his three closest disciples, the ones he spent a lot of time with by himself. He brings them with him and he says, hey, brothers, would you stay with me? Would you pray with me? Would you, would you spend time with me? I'm feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders. He's crying. The Bible says he's sweating blood, uh, profuse drops of blood like he is that uh, sick about what's about to happen. Can you come pray with me? And the Bible says that they come a little bit off in the garden. And in a, in a, in a, after a short time, Jesus comes back to find them. They're sleeping. Jesus just washed their feet. This is what a real friend looks like, guys. Don't forget this. And they're sleeping when he comes back. How ironic. We have a hard time with relationships, don't we? We have a hard time with intimacy. We have a hard time with being connected to people. So I want to teach you just two really practical things to what I think will make you a better friend. I'm not talking about your friends. I'm talking about making you a better friend. And here's the thing. What you are, you usually attract. Are you with me? You find somebody that's a gossiper, and they're hanging out with a bunch of gossipers, it's just the way that it goes. What you are, you usually attract. If you find somebody who says they're not a gossiper, and they hang out with a bunch of people that are gossipers, they're a gossiper. What you are, you always attract. So if you want better friends, you have to first become a better what? Is anybody away today? If you want better friends, you got to be a better friend. So here's, here's two things. Number one is this. I think you need to be present. Be, be present. Step one. I, I want to give you something that, that was shocking to me this week. Uh, the average adult in America spends three hours a day on social media. Some of y'all kill that. You're like, I'm on there eight. <laughs> my car reads my updates to me. It's fine. You're like, that's nothing. Some of y'all are like, ah, I'm not ever on social media. Well, aren't you holy, right? 
But for us normal people, right? Like, we struggle with this. I, I, I don't even post on social media, but I struggle with getting on there. If I'm ever bored, I just pick my phone up. It's a natural thing. I don't know how to stop it, right? And so the average person in America, the average adult, we consume three hours of scrolling, of clicking, of double liking, of Snapchatting, of pinning, of something online, of reading, of being online three hours a day. How many of have kids in this place? Kids. Check this out. The average parent spends 34 minutes a day with their kid in America. Somebody said in the front row, that's terrible, and I concur. But I've been there. Three hours a day on social media. 34 minutes a day with your kids. I don't know if you've ever been there where, where your kids are, are there, like another part of the house, and like, Daddy, can I play? And you're like, hold on. I'm coming. You're in the bathroom with the door locked. Just give me five more minutes. I'm almost caught up, right? And we struggle with this. And, and here's the problem with it. What you spend time doing is what's important to you. And so if you consistently are present in your phone, it's really hard to look at your kids or it's really hard to look at your friends or it's really hard to tell somebody, you're important to me, why, why, why? Why you spend an amount of time, an immense amount of time on your, on your phone. You've got to be present. That's why I love the story of Jesus. God doesn't say, hey, you're important to me. I'm up here in heaven. You're important to me. You're important to me. Which all other religions say, you're important to me from a distance, right? You're important as long as you do these things for me. But that's not what Jesus says. The Bible says that you're important to me, and here's how you know you're important to me. I'm going to become Emmanuel. I'm going to become present in your current situation. I'm going to come to you from heaven. That's what and how we know that we're important to God. I'm going to encourage you, be present with people. So how does that look in our our normal lives? Oftentimes, I'll tell you how, how this goes, when we're connected with people through the internet, somebody, you hear something really bad, somebody gets cancer, somebody's grandparent dies, somebody's kid, you know, goes through something bad, something bad, lose a job, something bad like that. What is our initial reaction? Most of us, we just keep scrolling because we don't have any compassion because we see it all the time. But for those of us who are friends with people, what do we do? We send them a, a, a text, aka, I don't want to talk to you. A text, right? You just... Hey, I just want you to know I'm praying with you, which is, if you're not a Christian, that's what Christians say when they're not really praying for you, because you don't even have time to call them, so you're just texting them, hey, I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you as I'm scrolling through Facebook. That's what we typically do. And, and listen, it's okay, but you, I don't know if you've ever been, with some, been in a conversation with somebody when you text and you don't really understand the, the tone of their voice and you get mad at them, but you don't really know what you're mad at them for because they're toning you, they didn't put the right emoji on the thing. So from us, we just... We just we just text, right? But I think if, if we're going to be present in somebody's life, that maybe we take it even a step further. And this is going to shock you for those of you who are under the age of 18. You're going to call them. You know that phone you have? It's called a smartphone, right? It was a phone before it was, the, it was a computer. And the phones uh, were used to push a phone number and call somebody, right? So, so you call somebody, you pick it up, and you actually talk to them. And when you say, I'm praying for you, you don't say, hey, I'm praying for you. You say, hey, where are you at? Can you close your eyes? Let's pray together. Or maybe if you just want to get crazy up in this joint. Maybe if you want to, like, be completely different. You see something that's going on. They're your friend. And you call them up and you say, hey, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're struggling. 
I'm getting in my car and I'm driving 4.57 miles because my fart, my smart, my fart phone, my smartphone tells me that's how far it is. I just, you better tweet me if you say that. At mention me. Because my smartphone says it's 4.5, but I'm coming to you. I'm going to give up the next five minutes of my life to come to your house and be present in this situation. I'm going to hug you. Why? Because a hug is much, much more powerful than a smiley face or cry face emoji. That's how Christians act. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be present in somebody's life. I'm going to be present in my kid's life. I'm going to be present in my, my, husband and wife's life, my husband and wife's life. I'm going to be, I'm going to be present in my, my parents' life when I know that they're struggling. I'm going to be present in my, my kids' life when they get older. Listen, if you have grown kids, for the love of God, make time to see them. They still want to see you. All the grown kids said, amen. amen. We never outgrow a hug and a kiss from our parents. If you have parents... And you spend all their money over the last 18 years of your life because you're a gold digger. That's what kids do. Don't you forget. Don't walk away from them. Every time you think about everything you had when you were a kid, give them a call. But more importantly, take them out to lunch and you pay. And all the parents, you said amen right there. Be present. Now I'm preaching good. Everybody was sleeping up to a couple minutes ago. Number, number two, last, last one. Not only be present, but be engaged. Be engaged. Some of y'all say, you know what? I'm with my kid way more than 34 minutes a day. But are you with them? Answer me this question. How many times does your kid see your face on your smartphone in one day? That convicts me. How many times have you sat with your kid while you watched a kid's movie? They've asked you to watch a movie, so you're sitting with them, and you're watching a movie, but you're like, this is stupid. Let me just get my phone out. And what they look over and they see you. How many times have you been out to dinner? Maybe you've never done this because you're not like that. You're not addicted to, to your fart phone, right? And so I said, I'm going to keep using that all the rest of the day. And you look around at the tables around you, and there's people sitting, families, and every one of them's on their phone. Maybe it's you. I've been there. It's like natural. Be, like you're just like, hey, we're waiting to order food. Hey, you guys have a good day. Let me just check this out. Yeah, yeah. Your kids, daddy, 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 look at my picture. Yeah, that's great. You know what's greater? This person, they're at, they're at a golf course right now. And I'm sitting at this Mexican restaurant with you. You know what the truth is? It's because we struggle with FOMO, right? R- really, fear of missing out, right? And let me tell you something. Pastor Craig talked about this in his sermon. He said, at the end of your life, what you thought was so important in the middle of being a 35, 25, 20, 18 year old isn't going to matter. It's not going to matter how many likes you had on that selfie you took. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter how many followers you had on Snapchat. It's not going to matter how many, how many people liked, liked your Instagram post of your cat. It's not going to matter. What you're going to have missed out on though is those little eyeballs that were looking at you waiting for your time. What you're going to miss out on is that a chance you had to be a little kid, but be maybe a 16, 17, but be in the presence of your, your parent and hang out with your parent. What, what you're going to miss out on if you're a married couple. How many, how many married couples lay in bed at night and you're like, man, I wish my, my sex life was, was better. And you're spending all of your best time rubbing your phone. 
Come on, I'm preaching good now. <laughs> and then after you're done, husband especially, you're like, all right, I'm done. Hey, you want you want it, you want it, you want it, you want to get naked, you want what I'm saying? You wanna, you wanna. <laughs> and your wife's like, you just spent all that time. She's like, why don't you give me a massage? You're like, oh man, my fingers are so tired now. Come on, I'm preaching good because this is what we do. We spend so much time and we're like, man, the truth is not only do you need to be present, you need to be engaged. You need to be there. Maybe, maybe me and my wife have been talking about doing this. Listen, we've been talking. We haven't yet done it yet, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to smash my phone, but we talked about getting home at nighttime and getting a little basket with a lid on it and just putting those in there when we get home and closing the basket so that my kids see, listen, well, you're more important, Right? I'm not going to be addicted to every beep, every, every, every uh, vibration, a- a- every dinging that comes from my phone. Why? Because the most important people in my life are sitting at the table with me. God, God, listen, God is the provider and sustainer of this world. I've been called to be the provider and sustainer of my family. Everybody else can make it without my prayers, but they can't make it without my presence. Come on. Like, be, be engaged. Be engaged. Be, be present. Be the type of friend you want somebody to say, I wish I had better friends. What type of friend, what type of friend are you? Would you stand up with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes here? Limerick, Plymouth meeting. And, and this is a really simple altar call for those of you who go to this church. Would you just close your eyes? And I want you to say, God, God, do I spend too much time on my phone? And chances are most of us would say yes. And God, would you give me a practical way to disconnect. God, I want to be a better friend in this world. Maybe, maybe you don't have a spouse. Maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe you're a single person. Uh, maybe, maybe you just need to become a better friend to that, that person that you've disconnected from, that you haven't spent so much time with. Maybe you need to call somebody that you know struggling. For some of you, you're going to just step out and get real uncomfortable, and you're going to call somebody and say, can I take you out to dinner? I've been seeing you're struggling. Man, a hug is so much more powerful than an emoji. Don't forget that. Can I just be present with you? Can, can, I, can I just be engaged in, in your life? I, wanna, I want your eyeballs and my eyeballs to meet. I want the white that I'm looking at not to be the screen that I'm swiping, but the eyes of somebody who has eternal value and meaning. Maybe you're a parent. You say, you know what? I'm going to put my phone away every time I walk into my door. My kids' my brains and their memories are not going to be of me swiping. They're going to remember my eyes on them. They're going to remember my mouth speaking to them. They're going to remember my arms around them, that my time is too important. Begin to fear of missing out, but don't fear the wrong things. You're not missing out on anything online. Everything everybody is looking for online, you have right in front of you. You get more lonely when you go there. You are made for real intimacy and real relationships. And maybe you're here right now and you say, you know what? I, I just can relate to that lonely feeling that you're talking about, that lonely, hopeless feeling. Listen, the Bible is clear that God did not leave you alone, that he is everything that you need, that his son came and was presence on this earth. God with us, Emmanuel, that Jesus came to this earth, that that's why we sing, that's why we celebrate, that even at our worst, at our most hopeless, at our most lost, that God was here, that he was saving us, and that he was setting us free. And and Jesus is here right now for you. And maybe you feel lost, maybe you feel lonely, maybe you feel hopeless. Man, he is present right here. And listen, he is fully engaged in your life. You are one in a billion. It's true. 
in this world, you don't really have any purpose. You have to make your own way. But listen, the Bible was clear that God put you on this earth, that he formed you in your mother's womb, that he gave you breath in your lungs, that he numbered the days that you would have on this earth, that he has put you here for this season to do something historical for God's kingdom, that that's why you're here. And he is fully engaged in his plan for your life. His eyes are fixed on you right now. His heart is for you. His hands are reaching out to you. And he desperately wants to have a relationship with you. So if you're in this place at Plymouth Meeting in Limerick, you say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never confessed him as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been in church before, but you've never taken that step towards faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was present in this world, that he died on the cross you should have died on, that he rose from the dead, that he gives you a life that you should have never had, and that in him you have forgiveness of sins and a future. The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he is fully engaged in your life, that he is consumed with his plan for you, that his eyes are fixed on you, if you would receive that message, you will be changed from the inside out from this day forward. And so if you're here right now and you say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, I need to pray that prayer with you. Without anybody looking around at our Plymouth Meeting and Limerick campus, if that's you, would you just simply shoot your hand up there and say, you know what, I'm lonely today, but I can feel the presence of God here. He's drawing me to himself. I want to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in this place? I see your hand all the way in the back to my, to my right. Would you just keep your hand up really high so that I can see you? I see another hand. Yes, yes, yes. I see another hand all the way in the back to the left back here. Yes, I feel lonely, but today I know Jesus is with me. He'll never leave you. He'll never turn his back on you. He's never going to let you down. You can't let him down because you were never holding him up, that he loved you at your lowest, and he is here right now for you. Is there anybody else who says, Pastor, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Church, would you pray with me? If you raise your hand, I just want you to talk to God like you would talk to your friend. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this message of the gospel. Thank you for the encouragement that you brought to us. Thank you that you've woken us up, Lord, that we can, we can walk through this life and have blinders on us, that we can miss the important parts of this life. We can, we can miss our lack of community and our lack of friendship, and we can blame one on other people, but the truth is it's because we're not present and we're not engaged, and the truth is it's because we're not the type of friend that we're supposed to be, but God, the Bible says that I can become all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can be the type of friend that you're calling me to be. I can be the type of parent that you're calling me to be. I can be the type of kid that you're calling me to be. And Lord, I'm thankful that you're going to change us practically. We're going to set aside time for the the important things in our lives, Lord. Lord, we're going to have a real fear of missing out on what's really important. And Lord, I pray for those that raise their hand at this campus, for those in Limerick that raise their hand. Lord, the person that is agreeing with me in prayer, Jesus, be the Lord of their life. They're just asking you right now, I don't want to be lonely anymore. I don't want to walk this earth by myself. Lord, you're everything that I need. You're everything that I've, I've searched for. I believe you died on a cross that was for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead after three days. And I believe it's in and through you that I become a brand new person. The Bible says the old is gone and the new has come and so what was true of me when I got here the brokenness the shame the pain the anger the hurt all that is not true of me anymore Jesus you defeated it on the cross 2,000 years ago and I leave this place a brand new person in Jesus name I pray and everybody here other campuses you said amen come on let's thank God for his presence one more time